not shalom. A lot going on, huh? <laughs> God is good. Baruch Hashem. Amen. Get rid of some of this stuff. Um, let's pray. Pray after me with me, however you do it. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. How many would agree that our world needs to change? I think most believers would agree to that. <laughs> we see the darkness encroaching uh, on this earth like never before. And here's the good news. God has an answer to that. That's you and me. We are agents of change. God has given us to be the salt and light of the earth that we could see God's kingdom come to this earth and expand by seeing people born anew into the kingdom of God. And you know what? I just want to remind you that when we were talking about walking in the promise of the Father and the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh that took place 2,000 years ago during the Jewish festival of Shavuot, that God's desire, right, it's a harvest festival, and God's desire was to have a harvest of souls that would come into the kingdom through the Mashiach. And he promised the first century believers that he would pour out the Ruach upon them so they would be empowered to go and tell this great story, the great news, the greatest news that ever touched down on earth, that the Messiah came to seek and to save the lost. And he empowered them to go out with that message and see the world changed. And the truth is, in 20 short years, Asia Minor was transformed with that message. Right? Transformed. Matter of fact, you could say within Judaism, in the first century, Messianic Judaism was the hottest Judaism going on. Because God was moving in great power through the Ruach. And you could also make the argument that up until this very day, the same rings true. That God is moving by his spirit in our days. But God is always looking for us to partner with him. So, you know, God doesn't do it all by himself. He uses men and women, young and old, to declare this great message and so, today we're talking about walking in the promise of the Father, the Ruach Kodesh, and outreach, and how that all works together. So the significance of the outpouring of the Spirit lies in the reality that Messiah's mission on earth is not complete until that moment when he opens his Spirit-immersed life to creation by fulfilling the Father's promise to impart the Ruach to all flesh. And he says this in the Besorah of Luke when he said, I am going to send you what my father has promised. And that was so you and I could be light and salt 
to this earth. And understanding that the Ruach Kodesh is only given to believers reveals that the promise of the Father or spirit immersion is inseparable from the call to salvation. God's burden is that the lost would be saved. And that should be our burden as well. And if you're here and that seems foreign to you, that terminology, saved from what? Saved from destruction. Well, why would destruction come to me, Rabbi Michael? We are all doomed to destruction while sin remains a stain on our life. And it is only through the atonement of the Messiah that is that, that, that's covered, that's taken care of. And we are spared certain destruction only when we accept Yeshua as our Messiah. But the good news is it's available to everyone. Right? In the first century, he came to the Yehudi, the Jew first. But he didn't only come to Jewish people because the plan was always that God would use the Jewish people to be a light of salvation for the nations. So this great promise and this great harvest of soul includes every single living person on earth. Amen? So in Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. Listen to this phrase. Telling people about me I want you to get that phrase in your kishkas. Telling people about me everywhere. Could you imagine if just the few people we have in this room would tell everyone we know and come in contact with about Yeshua? You see, the enemy works overtime to get us to be silent. He uses intimidation, as we'll see in the message in a few minutes, to get people not to tell this great and awesome news. But God says that we are to tell people about him everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Selah. Let that sink in to your heart. Let that sink in. That's why God wants us empowered so we can tell people about him everywhere. Therefore, spirit immersion is a spiritual encounter that empowers the believer with a greater anointing for sharing their faith with others. Let me ask you a quick question, just by a show of hands. Did someone share their faith with you before you came to the Lord, or you just came to the Lord without anyone sharing their faith? How many people came to faith because someone shared their faith with you? Yeah. It's most people, if not everyone. Whether it was a friend, or in a congregation, or on TV, or wherever it is, 
someone shared the good news of Yeshua. Our calling while we're here on earth is to make the world aware of the life-saving measure that Yeshua the Messiah performed for them. You know what? Our modern society would like to turn faith into something that's just for us as an add-on to our life, something that makes us feel good and makes us feel blessed and makes us feel a part of something larger than us. And all of that is true. But I want to tell you, it's so much more than that. All of that is true. We are part of God's great mishpacha. We're part of the family of God. That's awesome. But it's so much more than that. We're also commissioned to tell others. So God's family could grow. Yeshua, it says in Acts 1, verse 1, began to announce good news and entrusted us to pick up where he left off. Luke wrote this to Theophilus in Acts chapter 1, saying, Dear Theophilus, in the first volume of this book, he's referring to his Besorah, I wrote on everything that Yeshua began to do and teach. Okay? The book of Acts, then, is a continuation of Yeshua's spirit-empowered ministry through the people of God, people just like you and just like me. Not special people, not so super-anointed people that when they walked on the earth, their feet didn't touch the ground. Not people who glowed with the Shekinah of God regular people. Matter of fact, we know, right, that the Talmudim of Yeshua were fishermen. You know what fishermen, you ever been around fishermen? Like we live on Long Island, so you may have a little idea. But fishermen are pretty rough and tumble people. That's hard work, right? Maybe a little gruff. Salt of the earth type people. Regular people. And he used those people and called people like that, people just like you and just like me, to change the world as we know it. In the Besorah of Luke, it says, Yeshua returned to the Galil in the power of the Spirit. And reports about him spread throughout the countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone respected him. Now, when he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, on Shabbat, he went into the synagogue as usual. He stood up to read, and he was given the scroll of the prophet Yeshayahu, Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The spirit of Adonai is upon me. Therefore, he has anointed me to announce good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the imprisoned and renewed sight for the blind, to release those who have been crushed, to proclaim a year of the favor of Adonai. What a promise. Wow. 
you know, those five lines incorporate every single solitary human being on earth, don't they? Verse 20 says, after closing the scroll and returning it to the Shamash, he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Wow. Here, Yeshua is giving this message to a Jewish audience. And that message continued through the believers in Acts and continues on today through you and me to all people, both Jewish and Gentile. So we're talking about walking in the promise of the Father, the promise that he would send the Ruach to us, right? To empower us to do what? To tell others, to tell everybody we come in contact with this great Besorah, this great story, this great gospel. Friend, there is no other message like it. We said this on Wednesday night. There are a lot of messages floating out in the world, aren't there? Oh, I know, because some of you go on the interwebs and you spend hour after hour with this conspiracy theories, there's all millions and millions of stories and some true and most not true and some half true and all these ideas and philosophies out there. But there is only one message about the Jewish Messiah. Think about that. Only one message about what God did through sending Mashiach to this earth. And if you're like me, you might be guilty about talking about so many other stories that are out there, but not as faithful to tell his story. We want that to change in your life. We want you to be faithful to tell the story of Messiah, the best news. Could you imagine? I often think of this, the people that are in my sphere of influence, one day are going to stand before the living God. And can you imagine if I never told them what they would think of me for withholding the best news known to mankind? Now think about the people that are in your sphere of influence. Have you told them the good news about Messiah Yeshua? Or have you withheld it due to intimidation or fear? Have you withheld it because of this, that, or another thing? I want to tell you we need to become those who receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, to be empowered to declare this word with boldness. So firstly, I want to say that the Ruach HaKodesh facilitates fruitful outreach. Ask yourself this question, are you fruitful for the kingdom of God? Fruitful, reproducing, right? Now, I'll tell the quick story, but when we first got into our house, we, um, 
brought two what we thought were flowering pear trees. And at first they just were green trees and there was really nothing to them. You didn't know what they were and they were small. And um, as my daughter began to grow, she was believing God for an apple tree. For whatever reason, an apple tree. And we started to notice that these flowering pear trees had another tree that must have been in with it when we got it, all of a sudden had another tree combined with it, and it started to produce apples. And we, they started, they were like this big. They looked like berries initially. And all of a sudden, year after year, as the tree matured, now they look like medium-sized apples. And it was a blessing to, to Abigail because she was believing God for an apple tree, and here's an apple tree now, right off of our patio. But the idea is that it was an apple tree, and it was supposed to produce apples. Could you imagine, once we found out it was an apple tree, and it never produced anything at all? How disappointing would that be? You're an apple tree. You're supposed to produce apples. Where are the apples? That would have been a great disappointment to tell my daughter, who was so excited that it was an apple tree, to say, yeah, we have an apple tree, but it doesn't produce apples. And as believers, we are to reproduce ourselves by sharing our faith and telling the story that enthralled us. Weren't you enthralled with the story of Messiah? I know I was. I was absolutely captivated by that story when I first heard it. Now, of course, first I didn't believe it, <laughs> as most of us probably don't. It is kind of fantastical, isn't it? But on the other hand, so is all of the Bible. But that story is a life-changing story. And it is the Ruach Kodesh that facilitates fruitful outreach through my life and through your life. So I want to read you a story here from the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is so great because it's really the only picture we have as to how did the early believers of Messiah do it, right? The other letters address really specific issues, right? And the Besorah of Yeshua is about Yeshua himself coming as the Messiah. But the book of Acts is the only book that gives really the inner workings of how these believers advanced the good news of Yeshua. So here in um, Acts chapter 4, in verse 1, it says, Kepha and Yochanan were still speaking to the people when the Kohanim, the captain in charge of the temple police and the Tzedukim, or the Sadducees, came upon them. Very annoyed that they were teaching the people the doctrine of resurrection from the dead and offering Yeshua as proof, the temple police arrested them. Selah. That would be a bad day, wouldn't it? I mean, no, no one is really looking to go out and get arrested, right? Yet, here, these are religious men now, right? 
that are in the temple area, and now they're being arrested for declaring this message. Well, since it was already evening, they put them in custody overnight. However, many of those who heard the message trusted. They believed. The number of men alone was about 5,000 people. 5,000 people believed the message that Kepha and Yochanan were telling them about Yeshua. Isn't that something? The next day, the people's rulers, elders, and Torah teachers assembled in Jerusalem, along with Anan, the Kohen Hagadol, Caiaphas, Yochanan, Alexander, and the other men from the family of the Kohen Hagadol, the high priesthood's family. They had the emissaries stand before them and asked, by what power or in what name do you do this? Then Kepha, look what it says, this is really important. Kepha, filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being examined today about the good deed done for a disabled person, if you want to know how he was restored to health, then let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that it is in the name of Messiah, Yeshua from Nazareth, whom you had executed on a stake as a criminal, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you perfectly healed. This Yeshua is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. And I look at this next line, should shake each of us to the core. There is salvation in no one else. There's salvation in no one else. There's no other way. No way to gain access to this deliverance that God promised. There is no way around him. There is salvation in no one else. Friends, and we're, on, we're in on the know. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by whom we must be saved. When they saw how bold Kepha and Yochanan were, even though they were untrained Am Ha'aretz, regular men, salt of the earth type of people, they were amazed. These aren't educated men. These aren't scholars and Torah teachers. Also, they recognized them as having been with Yeshua. So they called them in again and ordered them under no circumstances to speak or teach in the name of Yeshua. But Kepha and Yochanan answered, you must judge whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God. 
as for us, we can't help talking about what we have actually seen and heard. They threaten them some more, but finally let them go. That is a powerful story for two reasons. One, it tells us how they were able to move the message forward. They were filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, right? But it also tells us that they were determined to tell the story no matter what the cost, which also happens through the empowerment of the Ruach HaKodesh as well. You see, this passage is remarkable, especially when you consider Kepha, prior to being immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh, was intimidated. If you remember, you go back to the Besorot, right, the Gospels, when Kepha, when Yeshua was arrested, right, and they're questioning Yeshua, and Kepha wants to be a faithful Talmud of Yeshua, and he's kind of laying low profile, so he's kind of watching things from afar, and he sneaks into the, to the courts, and they're questioning Yeshua, and he's kind of out by the fire warming himself. And one of the servant girls recognized him and his accent. And she said, aren't you one of his followers? And Kepha became unglued. And he began to curse himself because of fear and intimidation at what could happen to him. And he started calling, I don't know that man. And, and remember, that's when the rooster crows, and he remembers the words of Yeshua. But the, the point is, he was intimidated by a servant girl. Now, jump ahead. He's filled with the Ruach HaKodesh in Acts chapter 2. And now he's not standing before a servant girl. He's standing before the same folks that sent Yeshua to the tree of sacrifice. And he's not intimidated. And he's not nervous. And he's not fearful. And he says, you die, decide for yourself who it's better to obey. God or men, and basically said, I'm choosing God. That came because of the boldness given by the Ruach to declare this great message. In Mark 14, it tells that story. I won't read it, but you can if you want. 66 through 71 tells the story that I just told. Therefore, the Holy Spirit gave boldness in the face of intimidation. Let me ask you, have you ever been intimidated to tell maybe your family or your workmates or your neighbors? Or, you know, you know the people that think you're normal. You know, they think you're normal. That means you're like them. Have you ever been afraid to kind of let the cat out of the bag? Like at work, because you say, well, hey, right now they think I'm normal. And I'm good. I could fly under the radar, right? I don't, have to, no one, I don't have to ruffle any feathers. But if I tell them now that, you know what, I'm not a, I'm a, little, I'm a little right of normal. 
And I actually believe that the Mashiach came and now they got you. Could put a little label on you and now they could maybe harass you and intimidate you and, right? See, that's just fear and intimidation that wants to keep us from spreading this great message. You see, it's not new to us. You think it's new to you. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. So they were given boldness through the Ruach in the face of intimidation, and they, bear, they bore fruit for the kingdom of God, right? So the Ruach is going to lead you into a life of fruitfulness. As we are infilled with the Ruach, as we are empowered by the Ruach, and as we live by the Ruach. When we rely on the Ruach, we too will be emboldened to speak the word of God and to bear fruit for his glory. So now Acts 4, 29 through 31, it says, Now, Lord, so this is, K, this is K for now praying. He was just threatened, by the way. Threatened by the powers, right, at large, that were able to put the Mashiach on a tree and take his life. And look what he says. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and spoke the word of God boldly. We need that. If you ever wonder why we need the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh, it's not just, he is not just a condiment to our faith. He is a necessity. To be like, if you remember the message a couple of weeks ago, when you come to faith, the Holy Spirit is in you, remember? I, I put water in the glass. But immersion in the Holy Spirit, when I took that glass and I put it in the larger body of water, and it was totally enveloped. You need that. I need that. We need that. To be able to go and do what these men and women did. That's where their boldness comes from. That's where that transformation lies. From the Kepha before, knees were a-knocking at the servant girl to the Kepha just a few short days after, a few weeks later, is now you decide who you're gonna believe, you know, who you're gonna listen to, God or men. We choose God. What was the difference in the filling of the Ruach HaKodesh? So we see in this section the Shiliachim or the apostles pray for the ability to speak with boldness about Yeshua, which requires the spirits, it requires two things, and we're going to talk about it next. It requires the spirits leading, and it requires obedience. 
requires the Spirit's leading and to follow the Spirit's leading, let him who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. Friends, look at me for a second. So many people, believers, go about their life not even asking God about anything. Yet these men and women were acutely attuned and dialed in to the voice of the Ruach, and we'll see it in a second. And by the way, these people changed world history. Right? They changed world history by listening to the Spirit of God. So that's my second point, is follow and obey the Ruach's leading. The Ruach Kodesh will always, say always, lead us to people who need to hear the good news of Yeshua. That's one of his primary jobs. Remember, convicting and convincing the world. Remember, we, we covered that in message one. That's one of his primary jobs, is to convict the world of sin. Convict them and convince them about this great news about Yeshua. However, it is our responsibility to be obedient to his leading and share the Messiah's story of salvation with others. So the story of Philip and his conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 teaches us how the Holy Spirit can help us share our faith. On the heels of a successful outreach, remember there's a revival happening in Shomron, in Samaria. There's great things happening there. There is a revival of sorts, if we could say it in modern terms. The message of Yeshua is exploding, right? Remember? Remember they were hanging out just in Yerushalayim, right? And then persecution hit, right, Jerusalem. The believers, it says, were scattered, and as they went into Samaria, they were scattered, but they were believers. They were filled and empowered to rule. They were burning with this message. They went and they're sharing the Messiah everywhere we go. So realize they're used to seeing a great response, right? We just read in the temple courts, 5,000 people came to faith from the message, right? So now... Philip is now in Samaria, and he's declaring this message. And again, the same thing is happening. Everyone is coming to faith. Signs and wonders, miracles are happening. Again, remember, he's empowered with the Ruach Kodesh as well. Powerful things are happening. So on the heels of this successful outreach, Philip is called away for another assignment. Chapter 8 of Acts. Remember, Acts is the only really pericope we have into what they actually did and what happened. And so here you have it. Chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of Adonai said to Philip, come on, guys. Wouldn't you love that? Come on, you go home today. And the angel of Adonai greets you somewhere in your dwelling and gives you a little assignment. Wouldn't, who'd be stoked? Okay, you might be a little terrified and stoked at the same time. That's okay. Because I'm sure perhaps they were too. Well, he was. So the angel of Adonai said to Philip, get up and go here. I just got in. 
I'm exhausted. We just had a great revival. You don't want to get a break? No. Get up and go southward on the road that goes down from Yerushalayim to Azah, the desert road. Now he's in a revival. Now he's sent to the desert. I mean, we all want to get stationed at Hawaii, right? But here we are. He's in Samaria, better in the desert, but now he's, head, he's desert bound. So he got up and went, obedient. You know, some of us would have tried to talk God out of that. God, I'm, God, I'm in the midst of a revival right here. Great things are happening, signs and wonders and miracles and healings. The, the Bessarah is being proclaimed. Thousands are coming to faith. You, this can't, we'd be rebuking that voice, wouldn't we? That can't be God. Oh, it's God. Because I'm going to tell you something so powerful. As successful as Samaria was, what takes place in Ethiopia So he got up and went. On his way, he caught sight of an Ethiopian, a eunuch, who was minister in charge of all the treasure of the Candake, or queen of Ethiopia. He had been to Jerusalem to worship, and now, as he was returning home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the prophet Yeshayahu. What does it say next? The spirit said to Pharaoh, The Spirit said to Pharaoh. And Philip heard the voice of the Spirit. The Ruach spoke to Pharaoh, spoke to his heart. And led him to the exact person he was supposed to go for. The Spirit said to Philip, go over to, not any chariot, but this chariot over here, this one. Stay close to it. As Philip ran up obedience, he heard the Ethiopian reading from Yeshayahu the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, he asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. So initially, Philip responds to an angel of the Lord, and he willingly leaves that fruitful time of ministry and revival, and he goes to the desert. Philip was central to that revival, but he listens. Two things, he hears, and he listens. Now, if we're honest... We don't always listen, do we? Right? It's really important. Because I find something unique about us humans. We want to do what we want to do. And we could justify anything. We could justify why we can't go or can't do or can't say or can't or can't.
can't, I can't give, I can't speak, I can't go, I can't do. God, you don't know. God, he doesn't know. God, you don't know what I'm feeling, how I'm doing, my situation. You don't understand. Ah. But God does understand. God does see. God does know. Look, the sounds of heaven have come into our sanctuary. <laughs> he obeys God. He heard the voice of the Ruach. And then he obeys what the Ruach says to do. Friends, I've witnessed to lots of Jewish people. And I can tell you, comfortable? No. Not always. Not most of the time. Let me tell you a quick story. So we were invited years ago to go up to Stony Brook University by the Chi Alpha group and to share with their group why you could be Jewish and believe in the Jewish Messiah. Okay. So, the campus rabbi and the Chabad rabbi catch wind of it because the Chi Alpha group is starting to promote the meeting that we're going to have. And now the Chi Alpha leader is hauled into the president's office at the university and they're tearing into him out, you know, because they don't want to, the Chabad, of course, and the campus rabbi don't want this happening and by the time we show up at this meeting I don't know if you're familiar with the university at Stony Brook but it's like most university they have regular classrooms and then they have a double classroom right it's a, it seats like 120 and of course they have like mini theaters and big classrooms that seat 800 people but this was a, a 120 seater and here we come in to tell Jewish people why, or tell why Jewish people can believe in the Jewish Messiah. And there is the Chi Alpha group there, the leader, with like two students. All right, well, you know, when you're on assignment for the Lord, you don't, you just go and do what you're told to do. Whether it's two or one or none or a hundred, whatever. So the fella, the leader of the group starts leading worship. He does his guitar. And all of a sudden, the campus rabbi walks into an empty classroom with no Jewish students in it. And the Chabad rabbi walks in, and they fill the place with 120 Jewish students. They brought them to hear why you could be Jewish and believe in the Jewish Messiah, thinking that they were going to be a deterrent when actually they brought the audience. So now I'm looking at a double classroom with 120 Jewish people in there. And the leader of the Chayafa group, his knees are knocking. He is intimidated. Matter of fact, he's standing here leading worship. After the second song, and I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating, Rabbi Carroll is my witness. He was in the corner of the room with his back turned to the audience. That's how petrified 
I'm not going to lie. It's a little intimidating. And here comes me. Okay. I get the podium. We're going to talk about why you could be Jewish and believe in the Jewish Messiah. And I give my talk. And a couple of times they try to intimidate. Of course they do. One of the rabbis starts saying something. And I say, listen, you get invited for next week. This week is mine, so please be quiet. <laughs> I continue to go through the Tanakh and tell people why you could be all these Jewish students that he brought. Why you could be Jewish and believe in the Jewish Messiah. I finish my talk. The event spills out from the classroom into the atrium where there's conversations all over the place. People talking with Jewish students. Unbelievable time and opportunity about sharing your faith. As a matter of fact, one of the students that was in that meeting, right? I think you've heard of his name if you're part of Beth Emanuel. Dan Sered was in that meeting who became the head branch officer of Yehudim for Yeshua in Eretz Israel. <laughs> Go figure. Was it easy? Is it intimidating? <laughs> Can be. But let me tell you, once I started talking, the Spirit of God just takes over and you get comfortable and you share the truth because you know what you're saying is grounded in the truth of God's Word. That we shared probably an hour in the classroom and an hour and a half in the atrium with these Jewish students. The enemy wants you intimidated. He wants you to cower. He wants you to be silent. And God, through the Ruach, wants you to be bold. He's saying, just do, just muster up enough courage just to get the first word out. And then I'm just going to strengthen you to do it in your Look what it says in 1 Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 10. It is to us, however, that God has revealed these things. This great message, God did, right? How? Through the Spirit. For the Spirit probes all things, even the profoundest depths of God. For who knows the inner workings of a person except the person's own spirit inside him? So too, no one knows the inner workings of God except God's spirit. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit of God. So that we might understand the things God has freely given to us. 
These are the things we are talking about when we avoid the manner of speaking that human wisdom would dictate and instead use the manner of speaking taught by the Spirit. By which we explain things of the Spirit to people who have the Spirit. The Spirit of God knows how to get the job done. That's why we get them filled with God's Spirit, because to do it in the flesh. See, Kepha, to give you an example, wanted to be a faithful Talmud of Yeshua in the flesh. And so he follows him, and he's trying his hardest, right? But he couldn't get it done. And he starts cursing himself. Fast forward, empowered by the Ruach, He's an unstoppable force. Unstoppable. In 20 years, they reach out to all Asia Minor. Empowered people by the Ruach for outreach. This text reveals that God's people are people of the Spirit and operate according to the Spirit of God and not on mere human wisdom. If that was the case, if it was just merely human wisdom, Philip would have stayed in Samaria and continued to enjoy right successful ministry. Because human wisdom would dictate, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? But it wasn't human wisdom. The angel of the Lord spoke, and then the Spirit of God spoke specifically to a specific this was an influencer that he was led to. And can I tell you, what, what's the big deal? Do you know that there is a thriving, active, messianic Jewish community in Ethiopia to, to this very day? The Ethiopian Jewish community goes all the way back to that encounter. So where Philip was impacting a region, the Spirit of God led him to go impact a nation by being tuned to the Spirit of God, by not listening to only human wisdom. Human wisdom dictates, stay put, everything's going fine, don't mess, don't rock the boat. But spiritual wisdom said, go, leave, you're done. Your assignment's done here. We're going to move you on. Because remember, if they moved up Yochanan and ends up going to Samaria. So the, God had it covered. But for Philip, it's time for you to move on and go do something else because I have some bigger fish to fry. We're going to go shake the nation of Ethiopia with the Besorah of Messiah. Romans 8 tells us, so don't you see that we don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. God's spirit beckons. Do you hear the voice of the Ruach? 
hope you do. D.L. Moody. Anyone know D.L. Moody? Okay. Was set to have a campaign in England. He was very popular in England, very successful. Ten, he would draw crowds of tens of thousands of people. And thousands of people came to faith through his ministry. In England as well. Also the United States, but there. An elderly pastor protested. Why do we need this Mr. Moody? Why do we need this guy? Who is he? Why is he so special? He's uneducated, inexperienced, because Moody wasn't, you know, what they were typically used to. He was kind of like an Am Ha'aretz, kind of like the Talmudim, just a regular guy. The fellow said, does he think he has a monopoly on the Holy Spirit something? Who is this guy? A younger, wiser pastor rose and responded, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. You hear that? The Ruach HaKodesh has a monopoly on that vessel of God. And that's all it takes. And Moody enjoyed very successful ministry on both sides of the pond, if you would, and is known to be one of the most successful evangelists in the 19th century. It's a Bible college named after Moody Bible College, D.L. Moody. But hear that. The Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. That's what we're talking about in this message. What we're witnessing in these passages and acts are people just like you, just like me, regular folks. We come in all different shapes and sizes and educational backgrounds, right? But we're all the same. Last time I checked, we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? But what they all had in common is they were people who the Holy Spirit had a monopoly on their life. And they changed the world. Anyone here at Charles Finney? He's a lawyer. He was. Talks about his encounters with the Ruach Kodesh. Now listen, Lawyers sometimes are known not to be open to those spiritual things. They're logical. More want to see it in writing. Well, we're Jewish. We like to have things in writing too. But he had encounters where he says the Ruach HaKodesh washed over me. And he would have phenomenal things. He would walk into a, a space because he, he would go into like factories with his hundreds and hundreds of workers. And as he would approach them, people would move off of their benches and fall on, the, on their knees and begin to weep because the presence of God was so strong on his life. All the people in history that you see are life 
that change the world for the kingdom of God have this same quality. They are people where the Ruach HaKodesh has a monopoly in their life. That's what each of us need. That's why Yeshua sent the Ruach. That's why his job wasn't complete only at the tree of sacrifice, as significant as that is. He said there's more. There's the promise of the Father because Joel chapter 2 promised that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. For what purpose? For this purpose right here. God's great compassion to reach and to save lost people, broken people, hurting people, people doomed without him. So after the Ruach leads us, we like Philip need to obey and engage in sharing the good news. Right? We have to initiate. Say initiate. We have to. That's where we, we, we can't get over that little hump of initiating, right? We have to initiate contact with the lost. And that's the tricky part. That's the part. You worked next to him for five years. You didn't share your faith. You couldn't initiate. We must initiate. This can be scary, like I said, intimidating. But since we're being led by the Spirit, we can rest assured that God is with us and that we need not fear or be intimidated. It is really rather simple. Follow and obey. Follow and obey. God will be in the midst of whatever happens during that encounter. So the Ethiopian was reading, I'm almost done here. Stay with me, hang in there, stir yourself up, shake a leg out, and fall asleep. Because I want to tell you, here's the reality. If the Messiah came down right today to catch our ear, I would bet you 100% he'd be talking to us about the same thing. That's what he talked about when he was here. Why would he talk about something different now? He would be telling us the same thing. There's a world to save. Right? There is a world to save. Now, maybe he'd lead us on a personal outreach, which would be really cool. But I'll tell you what, the message will be the same thing. Go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. So it tells us that, right, the Ethiopian was reading Isaiah 53 in verse 34. It says, the eunuch, the eunuch said to Philip, here's my question to you. Is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So he obeys, but the Ethiopian asked him a question. What an open door that was. Has anyone in this room ever heard this question? What's different about you? Why are you so different? Hello, that's a beautiful opportunity for you to say, well, <laughs> I could tell you what's different about me and tell them the story about Messiah. 
Philip started to speak, beginning with that passage, and he went on to tell him the good news about Yeshua. What we learned from this passage is that Philip initiated a conversation and engaged in sharing the good news of Yeshua. The result of his initiating the conversation is the Ethiopian came to faith in Messiah, and like I already told you, it changed that whole nation. So we learned several things from this particular text. First, we ask. The best way to engage someone is to start with a question. Do you understand what you are reading? That's all, that's all he does. He asked a question. Do you understand what you're reading? Who can't say that? Right? Secondly, we listen. Philip listened intently to the man and then asked of him, he said, how can I unless someone guides me? I ask of you, of whom does the prophet speak, himself or another? He listened to the person, and he listened to his question, and he simply answered the question. Right? He asked the question, now he listens to his response, which means he doesn't just bulldoze the person and talk over him. You ever do that? He just listened. The person had a genuine question. I don't understand what I'm reading. What, who is the prophet talking about? He lets him get out his question. And then he, lastly, we respond. Philip responds. Philip's response was to lead the man from where he, where he was to where he needed to be. It says, then Philip opened his mouth. Yeah, you have to open your mouth. And, be, and beginning at this scripture, Yeshiyahu chapter 53, Gary would attest that that's a very good scripture to begin with. And beginning from that scripture, preached Yeshua to him. People, give people an opportunity to respond. You might be surprised at what they say. Because we always assume people are closed. But I want to tell you, there are people that are more open than you think. Give them an opportunity to respond. Initiate, even if you're intimidated. Get over it through the help of the Ruach HaKodesh. Initiate. And you might be surprised what God does in and through your life. Sharing your faith and giving the opportunity to respond go hand in hand. And it is a major emphasis of the Ruach's work. At the end of the day, the results belong to God. You don't have to sweat it. You realize you save no one, God saves. Yeshua T, right? My salvation. Yeshua means salvation. He saves. We're just simply required to tell his story. So, in conclusion, Verse 39, now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. That's how the story ends. He went on his way rejoicing because what a wondrous salvation that just took place. I want to tell you, your life will be so filled with joy when you begin to start sharing your faith with others, there is 
no better feeling in this earth than sharing your faith with someone else and seeing God move on their hearts. Whether they take you up on your offer and pray to receive Yeshua or not, it is an awesome thing to obey the living God in this area. The willingness of Philip to go anywhere and do anything God asked of him, even with limited instructions, brought about salvation and rejoicing to a man who didn't know him. God saw the spiritual hunger of the Ethiopian to understand and know him. And God will lead us to those people who are ready. You know, you ever hear the term, you can't pick green fruit. You ever try? I said this, I think if you will, you haven't tried to pick green fruit? If you're in an orchard, and that if you have a green apple and you try to tell you, it'll move the whole branch. You bring it, you'll take all this huge branch and it'll just move down with you. It ain't coming off. But when it's ripe, it just falls off. You can just go boop. And that's how it is when we share our faith. There are people that God will lead us to that are ready. They're ready. So the Ruach orchestrated a timely encounter for him, and he will do it for us. One that facilitated an opportunity for Philip to obey God and the Ethiopian to know God. I want to ask you this question, really important. I'm going to close in prayer in a second. Do you know God today? Have you said, I believe your report that you gave about the Messiah, right? That's exactly where Yeshiyahu starts. Who has believed? I'm going to add this word. Who has believed this fantastical report? To who is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who could have imagined that God would do it this way? Yeshua is the promised Messiah of Israel. In fact, Daniel the prophet says that if the Messiah didn't come prior to the destruction of the second temple, there's going to be no Messiah. Because that's what Daniel says, that the Messiah won't come prior to the destruction of the second temple. And it's funny, that's exactly when Yeshua came. He is the Messiah of Israel. He is the Savior of the world. If you're here, you know it, and you're wondering, listening by video, and you're wondering what the heck is going on in this crazy world. I'll tell you what's going on. God is preparing to do something wonderful. God is reaching out to your life, to your soul. If you're Jewish, the Messiah is saying to you, it's time for you to embrace the promised Messiah of the Tanakh. If you're Gentile, it's the same Messiah that came for the Jewish people, that came for all people, that says you need to put your trust in him. And when you believe this fantastical report, God will change your life. Your name will be inscribed in the Sefer HaChai, in the Book of Life, and you will have eternity secured.
That's good news, friends. And I want you to pray with me. And you know what? There's nothing in this prayer. But if you in your heart say, Abba, God, I, I believe. I want this eternal life. I want this new chance of a new life in God through the Messiah. Pray with me. Father, forgive me for I have sinned. I have transgressed your Torah. I have broken your rules and your laws. Forgive me. I repent of my ways. And Lord, I accept the provision of atonement that you have given through the Messiah, Yeshua. I believe he is the way of salvation. And I choose to live my life for him in your precious name. And Father, fill me with your ruach and embolden me to tell and declare this message to everyone I come in contact with. Amen. If you prayed that and it was real in your heart, God will change your life. He did. I prayed that, by the way, I prayed that prayer sitting on my bed in my room one day over 30 years ago. And my life was radically transformed from that day forward. He'll do the same for you if you just let him do it. Amen. So let's stay on our feet. Thanks for listening and bearing, wind, uh, bearing with the long-winded rabbi today. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's such an important message for us to get right. That unbelievable, God changed the world with just 12. He looks at us and he's like, Eureka. <laughs> How much can he do, amen? So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for each one. Just bow your heart and just talk to the Lord about what you heard, all those things, all those revivals, all the salvation that we read just in those few chapters. Thousands and thousands of people came to faith in those few passages. Say, God, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of spreading that good news to everyone I know, to my Jewish family members and friends, to the Gentiles, to the nations of the earth. God, everyone, I want everyone to know this profound and wonderful message about the Messiah. So, Father, I pray, God, that you would answer the cry of your people's hearts. Lord, that they would be open to the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh, that they would be empowered witnesses for your glory. Lord, that they would be emboldened with the message of the good news of Yeshua. And Lord, they would transform their world and their sphere of influence. Lord, that they would have testimony after testimony of people coming to faith in the Messiah, their lives being transformed, being filled with the joy of the Lord. And we thank you in advance in Yeshua's name. Amen. Stretch forth your hand. I'll just say the Ronic blessing over you. Amen.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his sweet shalom. Abba, I pray that you would bless your people, Lord, that you would do exceedingly abundantly above all they ask or imagine. Abba, that they would live in your peace and be blessed by your ruach. And we ask it in your precious name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Shabbat shalom. We'll see you next time.